Good morning. Let's say it again. Good morning. Boy, it's great to be here. I am glad to, to be here this morning. We're talking about looking up, looking out, looking in our relationship with God and with one another and with the world. Uh, before we get into that, I, I want to talk to you just for a moment about next Sunday at 5 o'clock, 5 p.m. We're going to have our annual meeting, and I really want to uh, be able to take that time and share from my heart what I feel like God has uh, spoken. There's been a lot of prayer and fasting that has gone in uh, for our church family, for us, and in prayer with our staff and with our elders and, and with our ministry team. I want to just dream together if you will, and, and let's see what God will do. I believe the scripture says, if God is for us, okay, I, we think we have four that believe that. <laughs> if God is for us, who, who can be against us? And, and God is for us. Amen? Don't you love that? Have you ever... Uh, had, a, had something handed to you or given to you or, or somebody gives you uh, some instructions and when you, when you go out to do them or you pick something up that somebody's asked you, it's completely wrong because it's kind of like the old, remember the old uh, game we used to play called Telephone where one person whispered to another person and another person and another person and by the time it got all the way around the room, it was nothing like it was. It's kind, of, it's kind of that way uh, in life sometimes. There was a school superintendent that told the assistant superintendent, he gave him this, this uh, memo. He said, next Thursday at 10.30 a.m., Haley's Comet will appear over this area. This is an event which occurs once every 75 years. Call the school principals and have them assemble the teachers and classes on their athletic fields and explain this phenomenon to them. If it rains, cancel the day's activities and have the classes meet in the auditorium to see a film about the comet. So the assistant superintendent spoke to the principals, and this is what he said. By order of the superintendent of schools, next Thursday at 10.30 a.m., Haley's Comet will appear over your athletic field. If it rains, cancel the day's classes and report to the auditorium with your teachers and students where you will be shown a film, a phenomenon that, that only happens once every 75 years. So the principals uh, told the teachers, and the, te and the principals told the teachers, by order of the phenomenal superintendent of schools, at 10.30 a.m. next 30, Haley's Comet will appear in your auditorium. In case of rain on the athletic field, the superintendent will give another order, something which occurs only once every 75 years. So the teachers uh, told the students, and they said, next Thursday at 10.30 a.m., the superintendent of schools will appear in our school auditorium with Haley's Comet. Something which occurs once every 75 years. If it rains, the superintendent of school will cancel the comet and have us all meet on our phenomenal athletic field. So the students 
went home, and the parents said, wait, what's going on? And then, so the students told their parents, they said, when it rains next Thursday at 10.30 a.m., over the school athletic field, the phenomenal 75-year-old superintendent of schools <laughs> will cancel all classes and will appear before the whole school in the auditorium, accompanied by Bill Haley in the comments. Kind of gets kind of confusing sometimes that, you know, when we, when we look at things uh, in Scripture even. Uh, when that video that we just saw about ordinary people, you have to ask yourself, can God use ordinary people? God has always used ordinary people. Noah heard from God and acted on what God told him. Joseph had dreams and lived according to those dreams till God fulfilled the dreams. Moses heard from God, understood what God said, told him he couldn't do it, and then finally went ahead and did it. It's amazing that all of these ordinary people, we look at them, we read about them in Scripture, and we think, oh man, they're amazing. They're, they're, they have to be so spiritual. There's probably angels carrying them everywhere they go. But do you realize that these men and women... Uh, in the scripture were just ordinary people like you and I. Esther saved her nation by winning a beauty contest. Wow. Think about all of these people and you ask yourself, well, I, God can't use me. My answer to you is God not only can use you, He wants to use you, He has a plan for you, and the only difference between those that we read about in the Scripture and you and I is are we hearing what God is saying to us and are we understanding His voice? See, all of those in the Scripture, they, they heard God, they acted on what God said, and God brought it to pass. Scripture tells us, tells you and I, what God wants of us and what God would like us to accomplish. It's been said that 99% that of the will of God is found in the Word of God. The absolutes about being honest and being truthful and being faithful and, and being compassionate and understanding. All of those things are, are in Scripture and we know what they are. The other 1% is, is that when the, when the voice of the Lord speaks to us and says, be kind to that person, be generous to this one, speak a word of, of, of love to that person over there. That's the 1%. In the scripture reading that, that uh, Sam read this morning, and if you want to follow along, we'll have some of it on, on the screen, but we'll have most of it, uh, well, actually all of it is in your Bible. Well, it depends on which Bible you're reading, I guess. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, if you want to turn there, we're going to be looking at that. Last week we talked about our relationship with God, about looking up, looking up to Him and focusing on our relationship with Him. Today I want to talk about looking in. Inward means our relationship with one another. I have mentioned this before, but when you read the Ten Commandments, which are really, really, you know, they're not suggestions, they're commandments. Uh, 
Six of them deal with our relationship to one another. Four of them deal with our relationship with God. Did you realize out of the Ten Commandments there's more about how we treat one another than there are about how we, how we have a relationship with God? In fact, your vertical relationship with God is manifest and seen by your horizontal relationship to one another. Jesus said, this is how you're going to know that, they're, that you're my disciples. It's the love, the agape love, that, that passion that you have for one another. That's how people are going to determine that your relationship with me is intact. It's, it's important to, to look in, to look in and, and to look at that relationship that we have with one another. I don't know if, if you're a student of history, but if you are, you will have discovered that the church from the time of the day of Pentecost to now has had times where it just kind of got off track a little bit in what God wanted it to do. The Inquisition, the Crusades, and countless other times that, that the church decided that it would, it would try to do God's will its own ways. But in this passage of scripture that we read in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul gives a clear understanding of our responsibility not only to God but to one another. He lays it out that there is a clear, concise message that there's no doubt, there's no, um, there's no um, facade, there, there is nothing that you have to, to guess at. He gives us a definite understanding of what he expects of us, the basics for all Christians. So when we look at the passage of Scripture, Paul talks and begins, he says, I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beseech you to walk worthily of the calling wherein you were called. Paul is, is in prison for sharing the gospel. He understands disappointments. Yeah, and it's really amazing that here's Paul in prison, and he would rather be out preaching the word, but he is confined to prison, so what he decides to do is begin to take up writing. And he's writing these letters, and, and uh, I was thinking about this, and then Nancy came home this week and said, hey, I just heard this, and this was great, and it was just exactly what I was thinking, and it was just wonderful that it's this one thought that, Paul, if he would have just preached and not wrote, we wouldn't have the Bible. But God knew in his infinite wisdom that Paul needed to write so we would have the word of God, so we could understand what our calling is. So here's, here's Paul, and he says, I'm a prisoner, but I'm not a prisoner of Rome. I'm not a prisoner of uh, of, of Nero. I'm not, a, I'm not a prisoner of anybody other than Christ because if Christ wanted me out of here, I would be out of here. Nothing is going to happen to me that Christ will not allow. So if Christ wants me elsewhere, he'll place me elsewhere. And he understood this concept that his life was in Christ's hands. That it didn't matter what befell him. He understood that all things work for the, the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. 
So Paul said, I'm, I'm a prisoner of the Lord and I beg you, I beseech you, I urge you, I plead with you to walk worthy of the calling that you've been called. That you walk worthy, which means that there is a, that walk means your lifestyle, the way, the way you live day to day to day. He's saying, I beg you to walk in a manner, to live a lifestyle that, that God is not only pleased with, but God can bless, that God wants to bless you. And here's, here's the first thing that I would want to bring out is we need to live a life worthy of the calling. Because the calling on our life, the calling is, is that invitation that, that God says, I, you're my child and I want to bless your life. That I have a work for you to do. Each and every one of us have that. And, and, and that calling is not of man, it's not of family, it's not of friends. But Almighty God has called each and every one of us to a to a ministry to serve other people to be involved in other people's lives and he is saying God himself has a great plan for each and every one of us and he said if you want to fulfill it if you want to see the blessings of God I beg you just walk worthy of what God has called you to wow Walk worthy. And he said, and then he goes on to tell us how. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, giving diligence to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. If you want to know how to walk worthy of what of the ministry, the vocation, the responsibility that God has called us to, he said, This is how you do it. Walk with lowliness. Now, that's a word that we don't like to hear so, so much, lowliness. But in reality, what lowliness really is, is not thinking too high of ourselves. I, I, occasionally, I'll watch uh, some, some award show and, you know, on, on TV because I'm bored. And, and every once in a while, you know, it's some, of the, some of the sports and that type of thing, and, and they'll... And they'll get up and they'll grab their award and they'll say, I want to thank God that he has given me the skill and the talent and the ability and the looks. I've got it all. I'm number one because he made me that way. And it's like, okay, you need to work on the lowliness part. <laughs> it, it, it's great to understand that God has blessed us with certain talents and gifts, but the lowliness is not taking yourself too seriously. Realizing we're all in this together. There's no big eyes and little U's. Everybody is in this thing together. You're not over anybody else and no one is over you. We are just the children of the living God. We have different parts to play, but we're all God's people. Lowliness, meekness. Meekness is just simply not, not promoting yourself. Do you realize that the meek are going to inherit the earth? Wow. So, with lowliness, with meekness, forbearing one another, or long-suffering. Oh, that word just gives me chills. Oh, long-suffering. You know what that means? That means when somebody is a pain in the neck, 
Anybody ever been around somebody that's a pain in the neck? Okay, I, I thought for sure I'd get an amen on that one. <laughs> amen, hallelujah, yeah, yeah, woo! Uh, it means that those that are causing you discomfort, that you're suffering long with them, that you're, that you're not easily uh, provoked, that you're not just going off on them immediately, but you're long-suffering, you're patient, you're with them, you're working with them to help them achieve a goal that's above you, that's a, that's, that they're not achieving at this point in their life, that you are long-suffering, forbearing one another, or putting up with one another, tolerating one another in love. Wow. Giving diligence, that means, here, here's, the, here's the great thing, forbearing one another and, uh, is simply receiving. It's a passive term in the Greek. It simply means that, that we're receiving some discomfort in our life and we are enduring it before their benefit. See, I like when your children are trying to learn to tie their shoes. Anybody remember that? Thank God for Felcro, but, uh, but when they're trying to tie their shoes, and you could do it in, in three seconds, but no, they need to learn to tie their shoe, and, and it's okay most of the time, but when you're trying to get to church, and, and you want to be in church on time, you want to be able to say, I'll do it for you, you can do it tomorrow, but they want to be able to do it themselves, so you are long-suffering, you are patient, you are receiving this within yourself, and you're saying, Lord, it's good. There are going to be people in your lives, I don't even know why I'm really talking about this, but, but I'm going to. There's going to be people in your lives that you are going to receive from them things that irritate you. And you are going to be required to be long-suffering. See, long-suffering is not something we have that we give to somebody. It's something that's put upon us that we endure. Long-suffering. But giving diligence is something that we have. It's an active term that simply means we give good diligence, we strive, we push to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It's an effort on our part to keep the unity of the Spirit. Unity is your number one blessing of a church, of a family, of a nation. If you have unity, you'll have success. Because unity, unity means even though we may disagree on some things, on the major things, we're together. We're united. If you attack one, you attack us all. It's unity. We're unified. We're one. Unity in the bond or in the confines of peace. Keep the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace. Do whatever is necessary in your life to make sure that that, that unity is guarded and it is secured and you bind it and you hold it 
in the bond of peace. Peace. Don't you love peace? I, I, love, I love it when, when, uh, when everybody's at the house. And then when they all leave. Peace, peace, wonderful peace. There's just something about having a peaceful spirit. You know, and when, and when everybody is together and there's just unity and, and, and that peace, there's nothing, there's nothing that can replace it. And if you want to live a life worthy of, of the calling that Christ has called you to, strive to keep unity. Even when it requires that you don't voice your opinion or even though you're right you don't have to display that you're right live your live your calling lowly meek long-suffering forbearing one another strive for the unity of the spirit second thing i want you to look at is simply this everyone has something to contribute but unto each one of us was the grace given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Christ placed in each and every one of our lives something to contribute. No one is, is on the team to sit on the bench. Everybody plays. Everybody has a part. I remember when I was a, a young kid, eight, nine, ten years old, we were in church and the pastor got up and he was preaching and I remember he was preaching passionately and, and uh, he was very emphatic about the word of God and, and I remember he was crying and he, he was trying to get the congregation to move but it was one of those services where everybody was focused on their checkbook or the roast that was in the oven. You know, and you ever had one of those days? I don't, don't raise your hand because I know we all have. And, and it was just one of those services. Everybody was just somewhat disengaged. And the pastor was preaching, and it was, he was preaching passionately. And at the end of his sermon, he gave an invitation, and no one moved except Phyllis. Phyllis was 21 years old. But Phyllis was mentally challenged. She had the IQ and the emotional EQ of a five-year-old. Sweet, loving, kind, always smiling. Phyllis. And while everybody else was just sitting there thinking, man, I can't wait for that last song to play. Down the middle aisle walks Phyllis with tears pouring down her cheeks because she had been listening. And when the church saw her, which was everybody's joy, heading down to the front of the church to give her life to Christ, it broke everybody there. See, Phyllis had a part to play. Phyllis, Phyllis was used by the Lord. She had a part. You say, well, what, what could she do? She turned a whole church service around by being obedient to the Lord. 
In 2 Kings chapter 5, we find a story of a, of a young, young lady that was taken captive at an early age, and she was, she was with the, the Assyrians, and, and, and she was taken from family and from friends and from her culture, and she was a handmaiden, she was a servant to the leader of the army, Naaman's army, Naaman's wife. Naaman was a great warrior, but Naaman had leprosy. And it was through the conversation of this young lady when she overheard her master had leprosy. She said, I would to God that you would go to Israel before there is a prophet that can heal him. See, now she could have said, you know what, I, I have been taken away from my family. I've been taken away from my friends. I'm in this other culture that I don't even know. And yet, and now I'm a, I'm a slave. I used to be, the, the, you know, the 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 daughter of my father, and now I'm a slave in this foreign land, and she could have become bitter, but she wasn't because there was something in her that spoke life and hope, and she spoke into this woman's life, and the rest of the story is Naaman listened, and he went, and he received healing, not because that he had, he had done it himself, but because of this one little servant girl that said, I know a God that can heal. You may be here today and you don't think there's a lot that you can do or a lot that you can accomplish or there's, you know, who am I? I I've messed up so many times that, that, that God can't use me. And I want to tell you today that no one has ever messed up enough that God can't use them, that, that God still has a plan for you, that God has a purpose for you. And it doesn't matter how insignificant it may seem to you. God can use something small to turn it into something amazing. Who knows? Who knows? But that person that you're kind to this week because the Lord says, would you speak a kind word, may be the person that turns this world upside down or right side up for Christ. We just don't know. The only thing that we know to do is to live a life that's worthy of the calling with meekness and lowliness and long-suffering and, and kindness and keeping the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Use what God has given you. I look out here and I see nothing but talented, amazing people that are filled with the presence of God, that, that are going to be used by Him. Wow. And here's the beauty of it. This is how great God is. This is not in the notes, so this is free. The Bible says lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust doesn't corrupt and thieves don't break through and steal. I think that the person had spent some time in Florida because everything rusts here. Uh, a lot of humidity. But, but I, was, I was thinking about that and, and it's the things that we do in this life that you know, for ourselves, they're not going to last. They're temporal. They just fade and they're gone. But the things that we do for Christ, the things that we do that will last for eternity, and the things that we do for Christ are the things that he has planned for us, and he speaks 
into our heart. And the Lord will speak to you in a way that you know, whether it's an interknowing or an understanding or whatever it may be. He's going to speak to you and, and in a way that you understand. And when we're obedient to him, you're not only blessing somebody else, you're laying up treasure in heaven. And you may say, I just want to barely get there. I just want to get there in heaven. And I, I don't want to barely make it. I want to get there. I want to, have, I want to have a bunch of stuff. Because I want to give it all back to the Lord. Amen. So, okay, number one, live a life worthy of calling. Number two, everyone has a, something to contribute. And here's the third thing that I want you to look at. is your job description is to help others. He gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints or the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry unto the building up of the body of Christ. So here's your goal. Here's the why. God, God called you. God equipped you. But here's why he did this. He gives, he gives apostles and pastors and teachers and all of these things. I already know what my job is, is to equip so God's people can do a, a work of the ministry, which ministry is really serving, so you can serve to build up the body of Christ, to uplift, to edify, and to encourage one another, to encourage, to inspire one another to do great works, to, to reach beyond yourself and, and speak hope and life and encouragement into those that are around you. Did you realize that our job is to be an encourager? That we take the things that we learn and, and we use them to build up the body of Christ to help people understand that if God's called you, then you can do that. That we're there to be cheerleaders and, and to be support team. And, and we are there to, to love one another, to bless one another, to lift one another up, to inspire one another, and, and to allow the body of Christ to grow and develop and allow each and every one of us that has a gift and a talent from God to be able to be used effectively to bless one another. Wow. Do you realize that, that what God has given you is, is to bless those that are around you? And when we begin to bless everybody around us, the body is healthy and it begins to grow and it's strong. There's nothing like being able to speak into somebody else's life with no other motivation than to see them grow, to see them I love what, what J.C. Penney's philosophy was that anybody above him he was going to push up and anybody below him he was going to pull up on that ladder of success. He was just going to push those ahead of him and he was going to pull those under him. Man, I wonder if, if we as God's children, because some of us have been walking this road for a long time, some of us have been walking for a few years and others have just found the road. But man, I wonder, wonder what it would be like if every single one of us would just push those that are ahead of us, that we would honor them, that we would encourage them, that we would inspire them. And, and then, then those that, are, uh, that have just started, that we could offer them some of the insights that we may have uh, that we've experienced along the way. Wow. Notice it says building up, edifying. You know what edifying means? It means building up in three different ways. Uplifting, encouraging. 
something that's encouraging, that inspires, that lifts you up. We should be people of joy, and it doesn't matter what we're going through. It doesn't matter what we're experiencing. We are the children of the living God. So don't allow the adversary to try to steal your joy. Don't allow the adversary to to come into your life and say you have nothing to contribute. Don't allow the adversary of your soul to say you have messed up so many times that God can't use you. That is a lie. If you have a voice, if you have breath in your lungs, you can praise the Lord, you can build other people up, you can encourage them, you can strengthen them, you can be that joy that somebody else may need that day. Wow. Here's the last thing, then I'm going to quit. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Till we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a full-grown man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What does that mean? It simply means this. Here's your retirement plan. God's called you. Here's your retirement plan. You get to retire when you go to heaven. As long as you're on earth. It says, until we all attain the unity of the faith. Not everybody has attained the unity of the faith. That's not going to happen until the trumpet sounds. So, if you want to know how long that, that God requires of you to, to be meek and lowly and, and to pursue what he has given you and to use what God has given you to inspire others, it's until the day you go home to be with him. So, if you're, if you're 20, that's great. Keep on, keep on encouraging one another. If you're 80, keep on encouraging one another. If you're somewhere in between or over and under, keep on encouraging one another because we get to do this until the Lord comes back for us. Man, we get to be the most exciting, the most encouraging, most upbeat, most optimistic people on the face of the earth because I know how the book ends. I cheated. I read the back of the book. I know what happens. I'm going to tell you. The Lord's going to come back and we are going to rule and reign with him. The adversary of our soul is going to be cast into a bottomless pit and we're going to be able to watch that and I'm going to dance and shout and be so happy that he is cast away, that he is no longer part of our lives, that he, does, he, can't, he can't get into our lives, he can't speak negative thoughts, he can't, he can't bring doubt and despair because those things are gone. We are the children of the living God. We are the bride of Christ. We are the hope of the world. You are the light that is shining in darkness and that light never shines brighter than when we love one another. Wow. I quit. Woo. <laughs> Praise team, come back. Would you, would you do me a favor? Would you stand with me? Man, we, uh, we should be joyful, loving one another, encouraging one another. So I'm going to give you something very spiritual right now. I want everybody to pay attention. If there's something in your heart against another one of God's people... I'm going to help you right now. Ready? Forget it. It's really easy. Just forget it. If you have had something in your heart and it's just bugging you, 
Can I encourage you? Knock it off. Those are, those are spiritual terms that you won't find in the scripture. Here's what I'm, here's what I'm saying. There is nothing. When we, when we live worthy of the calling, there's nothing that people are going to do. They may knock you down, but you'll get back up. You'll love them. You'll encourage them. You'll help inspire them. The same people that mistreat you, you'll turn around and love. Why? Because you know your calling. Because you know that there's nothing in this life more important and more meaningful than fulfilling the call that Christ has called each and every one of us to. And that's living in the abundance of the love and the joy and the victory and the salvation that he has brought. We are the children of God. And if that is not something to celebrate, I just don't know what it is.